What is up, everybody, and welcome back to DW Sports. I am your host, Will Feller. And I'm your co-host, Davis Gary. And it is draft month. That is right. We are talking about NFL again today. This time, we're talking about the NFL draft. Last show, uh, or last this week, past show, we recorded an NFL offseason show. And now we're talking about the NFL draft. And honestly, this draft is one that I've probably digged into the most in the past few years because there's a lot of talent in this draft. And I'm excited to see who goes where because honestly, in the past few drafts, I've kind of known what we're going to be like the, the top five picks. And now it's very uncertain. Uh, we, we all know Trevor Lawrence is probably going to go number one. But from number two on, it, it's really a question mark. And that's why – this draft is so interesting. So we're going to get right into it. Now, if you guys haven't heard, there are some teams that were active trading picks in the drafts, including the Miami Dolphins, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the San Francisco 49ers. So the Dolphins originally had the third pick in the draft from the Houston Texans. And first of all, I just want to say, I swear the Miami Dolphins are literally sitting on half the league's draft picks. Like, they literally had like three or four first round picks last year. They have multiple next year. Like they have so many picks. I, I don't even know how they stock up that many picks, but it's working for them. So first thing the Dolphins did, they traded their third overall pick to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they traded down to the 12th overall pick. So the Niners gave them the 12th overall pick, a 2022 third round pick, and 2022 and 2023 first round picks literally just to trade up nine spots. So after the Dolphins got the 12th pick, they traded uh, to the Eagles. They traded that 12th overall pick, their next year first rounder, and uh, the 123rd pick, which is a fourth rounder, to the Eagles for the sixth overall pick. So they traded back up and a fifth rounder. So I know that's probably a lot to process in your head, but the main thing is the 49ers literally gave up two first-round picks, and a next-year third-round pick, literally just to trade up nine spots. So, Davis, my first question to you is, did the 49ers give up too much, literally just to trade up nine spots in the draft? Yeah, for sure. I mean, two first-round picks, you never even want to give up that much because those could be useful in the next coming years. Now, if you're team like the Dolphins and you would have done that, then you would have been fine because you have so many first-round picks. But for a team like the 49ers, that's way too much to give up. Absolutely, because, I mean, I guess, I guess you can think about it. I know what the 49ers are thinking, because if they, go, if they really want a quarterback, which is why I assume they traded up to third to get a quarterback, if they have this growth pick in the draft, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson are probably all going to be off the board. And even – there may be a guy like Mac Jones that comes off the board, like somebody like t Panthers at eight. And then you never know about Trey Lance. But one thing about Trey Lance is he's, he's rated so low because he played in the FCS. He didn't even play high-level competition. And he, he balled out in the FCS. But that, that's his biggest question mark. So, Davis, for the 49ers trading up nine spots, who do you think they have in mind to draft at number three if he's available? Like you said, I think they're going to – I think the reason why they traded up that far was to get a quarterback, and I think it's going to be Justin Fields because they, they need a guy to back up Jimmy G and uh, 
in case the same thing happens like last year where all their players get hurt and Garoppolo could be one of them. They need a guy that's, you know, has experience in a good conference um, and can, you know, lead their team. And he can oh, he can improve this whole – throughout the whole season uh, as a backup to Jimmy. So, you know, the 49ers can develop quarterbacks. We saw Garoppolo went from New England, who he was a backup because obviously they had Tom Brady. Uh, and then went to the 49ers and won a Super Bowl. So we know they can do that. And so I think it's going to be like a guy like him. The 49ers, they said that they were interested in Mac Jones. I just think they would be blatantly stupid if they drafted Mac Jones at number three just because I don't think he's – I think he's probably – out of the top five quarterbacks, I don't say he's probably the least talented. I I seriously think that – Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, uh, and Trey Lance have more talent than Mac Jones. And then Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond, like, they're not even in the top five conversation. Neither of them do. But honestly, I, I say the 49ers, they need to do this because Jimmy Garoppolo works well in the Patriots system. We've seen him. That's why he became a starter in San Francisco, all because he played well in New England under Belichick. And let's be honest, Cam Newton, probably he's easily – I think he's a bottom five quarterback in football right now. The dude literally can't hit the bright side of a barn right now throwing a football. He's a great mobile quarterback, but he's just lost his mojo throwing the football after his MVP season. So if the 49ers are going to take a quarterback, then I don't really understand it because, Jimmy, it's not like you have somebody like an old veteran like Ryan Fitzpatrick quarterback or somebody who's struggling at quarterback, like Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not a horrible quarterback. I think the Niners need other team needs to protect Garoppolo. I mean, their O-line's pretty good, but they could also use another receiver. So I just think the 49ers, if they want to make this work even more, they need to trade like Jimmy Garoppolo to the Patriots and get future picks back from them and then draft a quarterback. Just my thoughts, but um, I, I honestly think that the 49ers, they, they really gave up too much. But I think it would kind of even out if they did trade Jimmy Garoppolo to New England or just somebody else in general. But another team that traded, the Philadelphia Eagles, they traded, um, they traded down from the sixth overall pick to the 12th. Um, so now they're, they're stuck with the 12th pick. And this kind of confused me because Jalen Hurts was kind of shaky last year. And people were talking about the Eagles actually taking a quarterback. So my next question to you is, do you think the Eagles should try and stick with Jalen Hurts this season, or do you think they should have kept that sixth pick and tried to select a QB? I think they're just going to stick with Hurts. I mean, he already has a year under his belt. And by the sixth pick, you know, most quarterbacks are going to be gone, so they would have to settle for a guy like Trey Lance, who, like you said, you know – comes from the FCS, and it doesn't come from Alabama, which Hurts did. So, you know, Hurts has experience under one of the best coaches in college football history. Um, So I think they're just going to stick with Hurts and, you know, see how the year pans out and then decide what they're going to do from there. Honestly, I – it depends because – 
Jalen Hurts, like, I just have a gut feeling that Jalen Hurts isn't going to play well because there's not very many mobile quarterbacks in NFL history who have turned out to be a complete stud. And drafting Trey, like, if they have a guy like Mac Jones that's a pocket passer or a guy like Kyle Trask who won't be a first-round pick, but just a pocket-passing quarterback in general, I think that they would be better off actually taking a quarterback because let's be who, who are the mobile quarterbacks that have turned out in NFL history? Well, Michael Vick has. He wasn't very talented with his arm like very, like a lot of elite quarterbacks, but his legs were immaculate. Same with Lamar. His legs are a lot better than his arm. And I feel like Hurts and Trey Lance are both going to be the same way just because they're mobile quarterbacks. And mobile quarterbacks are great in Madden and great in everything else besides throwing the football, escaping the pocket. But that's what makes guys like Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson so elite is because of their escapability. Trey Lance and Jalen Hurts, they don't have the arm talent like those guys. And honestly, Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, people consider them mobile, but mobile is like like a Lamar Jackson. Like the dude literally runs the same amount that he passes. That's mobile. And Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson aren't like that, but they can run. So the Eagles, they should probably stick with Hurts now that they have the 12th pick and they won't get a a top three quarterback and see how it pans out. But honestly, the Eagles probably just needed to just go rebuild mode. Um, and honestly, rebuild mode in that division isn't that bad. You still have a chance to win in that division because that division is that bad, the NFC East. So my next question, New Davis, is um, since the Dolphins were active, what are your thoughts on – the Dolphins trading down to number 12 and then actually trading back up to the number six pick. I think it was a good idea because like I said earlier, you know, they got, they got all those picks from the Eagles and then they decided, well, we can make a run here and go back up, you know, and it won't be like the Eagles just gave was, that was just a stupid decision or the, uh, uh, who was it? 49ers 49ers. Sorry. Uh, you know, they, they made a dis- stupid decision in getting trading all those picks. Uh, but the Dolphins made the right decision and taking all those picks and saying, you know, we're going to run with this and then we're going to trade back up. So I think it was a really good decision by the GM. Uh, and just, you know, you know, that was just uh, – that's just going to be a good decision and it's going to pan out for them. Miami has something going, and honestly, I'm going to ask you another question right here. Um, do, you think, do you think that Tua is going to pan out in the NFL? Because he kind of struggled last year, and there were some questions about him at Alabama being good in the NFL. So do you believe that Tua is actually going to pan out to be good in the NFL, or do you think he's going to turn out to be not necessarily a bust, but just sort of an average to below average guy all of his career? I think he's going to be good. You know, he, he kind of showed some sparks last year, and obviously he didn't play the best, but he was just coming off an injury, and it was his rookie year. So doing, like, coming off an injury and then playing your first year in the NFL, it's going to be tough. I mean, your your rookie year in the NFL is tough no matter what. No matter who you are, you know, it's always going to be tough, especially coming off that injury. You know, so I, I think once he gets under him, once he once his feet get under him and he's gonna start 
developing and becoming a lot better of a quarterback. The Dolphins know that. I mean, they, they, they know what they need to do. They picked up Will Fuller to help him out to give him another target because really, too, his only target last year, not to mention the fact that he was battling with Fitzpatrick all year, kind of brings the rookie's confidence down, knowing that he might not even get his starting job after he was picked so high in the draft. Of course, it was to a veteran, which also got his feelings hurt for almost being benched to a rookie. So quarterback situation for them last year was not very good because both guys' feelings were kind of getting hurt. But it also doesn't help the fact that Devontae Parker was the only guy that they really had that was competent last year. Will Fuller, who gets hurt a lot, but if he can stay healthy along with Devontae Parker and even the Dolphins selecting a guy like Jamar Chase this year, and he turns out to be well, like Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, and Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith or somebody like that, you can't ask for a better receiving core as a quarterback. You're not going to get much realistically a better receiving core than that as a quarterback. And if Tua can't work with that, then that's his own problem. But if he gets receivers, then Tua should be able to actually work out something. He just needs to fix his accuracy problem because right now he's, he's kind of made some risky throws risky decisions and also made some really inaccurate passes. But if he gets that receiving core, he should should be good to go. So another team I want to talk about, the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow said that he wants the Bengals to pick Jamar Chase with the fifth overall pick. We know that the Bengals have the receiving cores and their needs at all. They have Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green left, but it's not like he was a huge difference for their team. They have Tyler Boyd, they have T. Higgins, who's young, and then they also um, have guys like Auden Tate in there who well, who are solid. Receiving core isn't the Bengals' team needs, and we've seen guys like Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. If the front office doesn't listen to what the quarterback has to say, the quarterback gets mad. And they don't really want out, I wouldn't say necessarily, but they kind of get frustrated with the franchise. So my first question to you on this topic is, should the Bengals select Jamar Chase and listen to Joe Burrow, or should they go a different route? Any team is going to be lucky to get Jamar Chase. I mean, in my opinion, he's the best wide receiver in this draft class, which we'll get to later. But especially, I think, since, the, the, since Joe Burrow at, told them to do that, I think they should because, like you said, the, Joe might get a little – mad at them and I don't think Joe Burrow's the type of guy to do that because you know he's just happy to play somewhere um but I think they should definitely listen to their QB1 because it's going to be it's going to help him improve like one of his teammates and close friends coming to uh the the same NFL team as him would be like top of the notch excellent because you know it would give them a chance to improve Burrow and listen to him and listen to his thoughts and that he'd be comfortable in the organization and you know it just create a lot of like happiness and um, morale boosting. Honestly if the Bengals were smart they should probably take an offense alignment if if Rashawn Slater or Penai Sewell is there I think they should pick up one of those two. Because Joe Burrow, I'm sorry to break it to you, but the NFL isn't about buddy-buddy. It's about actually winning Super Bowls 
and making your fans happy. Selecting Jamar Chase, sure, you're going to get a stud. You're going to get a guy that has all the highlight tapes around him. But in the end of the day, what's more important, getting a receiver and then getting Joe Burrow absolutely obliterated behind the line again this year? Or you can have a young tackle who can protect on the edge more than the Cincinnati Bengals tackles right now and actually be better for the future with your guys that you have right now at receiver because they're not bad. Like, their receiving core is not bad. Cincinnati Bengals need offensive linemen and they need defense. Those are their two problems. You've got to go to receiving back in Joe Mixon, and you even got Giovanni Bernard, who's not bad. But Joe Burrow, you don't need Jamar Chase on your team. Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, I don't care who it is. You need to be smart about your decision. The Bengals front office needs to be smart about the decision. And if Joe Burrow gets mad at the Cincinnati Bengals for, for picking an offensive lineman to protect him, if the Bengals pick a prospect to protect Joe Burrow and he gets mad about that, then that just shows a lot about his personality and he's kind of selfish. But like you said, I don't think Joe Burrow is the type of guy to do that. But Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle and all of them, you don't need to select them over Penai Stool and Rashawn Slater. No way. My next question to you is, if Joe Burrow does get mad, or just in general, when quarterbacks do get mad at decisions like that when they don't listen, do you think that that can collapse a franchise just based off of the quarterback getting mad? Or do you just think that the quarterback sort of just needs to, per se, just – I don't really know how to word it, but would you say that it would collapse a franchise or would you say that the quarterback just needs to stop whining and just trust the process, basically? I mean, it, it depends how much of a leader the quarterback is because we've seen some quarterbacks – that aren't very good leaders in the locker room. Um, but if they are and they get mad at the organization, well, they should stop complaining about it. But, you know, if they're the type of person that doesn't stop that, then it is going to collapse the franchise because they're supposed to be the leader and everybody's supposed to follow after them. Well, if the quarterback, the leader gets mad and, you know, gets frustrated, well, what's that going to look like in the locker room to the other players, and what are they going to do about it? You know, they're going to follow after the – they're going to follow the leader, essentially, and and uh, they're going to start, like, you know, complaining to the organization about, oh, why do you not help our QB1 out, and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, that's just going to create problems. One thing that I – one thing that I hate about the NFL is kind of exactly what you said. And I love the NFL. I love college football. I love the NFL until the day that I die. But literally every single league has pros and cons. Everything in this world has pros and cons. And that right there for the NFL is one of the cons. Like, the NFL is such a quarterback's game. There's never been, there's never been one wide receiver to ever win MVP in NFL history. Why? Because the quarterback gets all the credit for throwing to him. The quarterback now in today's game, according to people like Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson and all of them, the starting quarterback should get to decide, like basically this should be the GM of the team. That's not how it works. The quarterback is just there to throw the football. And everybody always talks about 
on talk shows just like us, Davis, it's always quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. If they won the Super Bowl, who's the quarterback? Who's you know, everybody always asks when they see a football team, who's the starting quarterback of this team? They don't pay attention to what is actually impacting the game. But if you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes or a guy like Tom Brady, then that's an exception because there's actually a quarterback that can carry a team on their back and win Super Bowls like that. But if you're talking about teams where defenses carry them through the Super Bowl, then it's still a quarterback's game. Nobody talks about defense. That's why nobody these days, when kids grow up playing football, they don't want to play defense. They want to be a quarterback or a receiver or a running back because those are the three most talked about positions. And so with the NFL always being talked about is a quarterback's game, they need to spread it out a little bit. They need to give more awards to other positions, like give credit to the O-line, give credit to the defense because the quarterback can't sit back there and throw with no O-line. The quarterback can't put up as many points when there's no defense on the field. They're just going to score every single time. So the NFL, I say, needs to spread it out. And with quarterbacks saying that basically trying to run the organization, it doesn't really help. So, but like you said, Joe Burrow is not really that type of guy. There are tons of those in this league. So now we're going to get back to the draft a little bit. And, Davis, we're going to play a little game here. You already said that Jamar Chase was the best receiver in this draft class. But I want you to – sort of rank the top four receivers in this draft class, in my opinion. So I want you to rank one through four, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and Rondale Moore. So I have Jamar Chase at one. I mean, he's just – yeah, you could make a case for Devontae Smith, but Jamar Chase run a, ran a 4.38 and has a 41-inch vertical, and he's also more physical of a guy than Devontae Smith. I mean – if you saw Devontae Smith on the sidelines, he's he's skinnier. I mean, that doesn't take away from the fact that he was the best college receiver I've ever seen. But is he going to be able to do that in the NFL? Who knows? So then I put Devontae Smith because of, like, what I just said. is He, he was probably the best receiver I've seen coming out of college. Then I go with Jalen Waddell. And then Rondell Moore is actually my sleeper pick. So I could I could interchange Jalen Waddle and Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore, that boy ran like a four two nine forty. Obviously, he's from Purdue, so Davis and I are Indiana fans. Rondell Moore was really always hurt when he played Indiana, so he never really got to torch us. But the dude's a beast. I mean, you got to give credit to where credit's due, and he Rondell Moore is a beast. My weights coach at my school actually spotted Rondell Moore on his max out back spot one time, so. Pretty cool. He showed us the video. But one thing that people are missing about Devontae Smith is Devontae Smith, when Jalen Waddle was fully healthy, the dude wasn't even the wide receiver one at Alabama. Jalen Waddle was the wide receiver one, and then Devontae was the wide receiver two. So I'm going to go Jamar Chase at number one from LSU. And this is what everybody's healthy. And then I'm going to go Jalen Waddle and then Devontae Smith and then Rondell Moore. And I know I'm going to get hate for putting Jalen Waddle over Devontae Smith, but Devontae Smith's like a buck 70. NFL corners who can bench 300 pounds. Like, I know Devontae Smith is excellent at creating separation. That's why him being skinny is not a problem for him in college. But 
if NFL corners can, can jam him like he's toast, Devontae Smith is a deep threat guy because he's so good at route running and stuff. Put a safety over the top and run zone on Devontae Smith. And I don't think – I mean, I still think he's going to be a stud regardless. All four of these guys I think are going to turn out as studs in the NFL. But Jalen Waddle is just a little bigger. And Devontae Smith, he doesn't really have anything else except for his creating separation and speed. And creating separation is a huge deal. Like, that's literally what makes you a good wide receiver. But there's a huge difference between a college corner and an NFL corner. And NFL corners, I think, are going to clamp that up a little bit better than college corners, and he's going to get targeted a little bit less. But that's my pick. I'm going to go Chase Waddle, Devontae Smith, and Rondo Moore. And then I'm going to do one more before we move on to the next question. I want you to rank the top seven quarterbacks in the NFL talent-wise, so not by potential or anything like that talent-wise. So we got Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, uh, Mac Jones, um, Kyle Trask, which is five, and then Kellen Mons and Mac Jones. Did I already say Mac Jones? Yeah. Okay. So Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Trask, Kellen Mond, and um, Trey Lance. So, obviously, Trevor Lawrence won. I mean, he's going to be the first pick, and that has nothing to do with potential. He's just separated from all those other guys, right? And then you go – I would go uh, – I would go Zach Wilson, too, actually. I think Zach Wilson's going to be – not potentially, of course, it can't be on potential, but I think I think he's better than Fields. And, and the reason I say that is because Fields' decision-making is bottom of the charts, in my opinion. I mean, we saw it against IU. He would try to throw the ball away, but he would try to make a play that he can't make and throw it right to the defense. So, Lawrence, Zach Wilson, then... Trey Lance, that dude has a cannon of an arm. And, yeah, he played in the FCS, but I think, you know, his arm separates him from uh, Fields. Fields at four just because of the decision-making aspect, like I said. You know, he's going he's gonna to try to do too much, and that's not going to get him anywhere. I mean, if he throws four picks against the college team, what's he going to do it in the NFL? Um. Then Kyle Trask. There were six, right? Six, yeah. I think I said seven earlier, but I meant six. Okay, then Kyle Trask and then Mons. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually so glad that you said that about Justin Fields because, hey, Ohio State fans, wake up again. You're delusional. Stop saying that Justin Fields is the best player or the best quarterback in this draft class. He's not. Oh, like, this is literally the reason I hate Ohio State fans. Like, there's a point where it's funny, and then it's just a point where it's annoying. Like, Ohio State fans, you're lucky I didn't clown you on the show for losing to Oral Roberts, which 
I hope you know, I literally sat in my house and was dying laughing, just sitting there watching it. Justin Fields has the worst – I think Justin Fields' decision-making is worse than Kyle Trask. I'm not saying something because Kyle Trask throws some – the dude will literally be looking down at one receiver and will throw a dart straight down the middle. Risky. And mainly, Fields can play a horrible defense. Like, Justin Fields, if he can go out there and throw – for five touchdowns against Rutgers, congratulations. And Clemson, he proved me a little bit wrong there. Dude threw for like 400 yards and six touchdowns against Clemson, which was amazing. I'll give him that. But he's not consistent. Like, he threw three interceptions against Indiana. And honestly, when he plays good defenses and better DBs, better linebackers, better D linemen coming off the edge and through the middle, He's going to be rushed more, and I don't know if he's mentally tough enough to, to handle that pressure, but we shall see. All right, so, Davis, I know you already said Rondell Moore was your sleeper pick in this draft. So, I'm going to give my sleeper pick. And as a matter of fact, if you haven't listened to one of our very, very first shows, one of our very, very first shows, I think it was our very first show ever. It was. Our very first show we recorded back in the summer, we were talking about the 2020 NFL Draft, and Davis and I both stated our sleeper picks for this upcoming season, and we both ended up getting them right. I said Patrick Queen of the Ravens, who didn't turn out as well as Davis' sleeper pick, which was Jeremy Chen, who almost won Defensive Rookie of the Year. But Patrick Queen did turn out very well for the Ravens. He'll be a starter for a long time there. We're going to do that again, and we're going to try to repeat what we did last year. So Davis already said Rondale Moore. I'm going to go with an early pick, but I'm going to say Micah Parsons out of Penn State. I love picking these linebackers. Dude's physical. Um, he can cover pretty well in coverage. And honestly, this dude is just a beast. I mean, I, I just don't have anything else to say. Like, Micah Parsons, he's, he plays differently than Patrick Queen, but I think he'll turn out better than Patrick Queen. And he'll be a top 10 pick for sure. And like I said, quarterback game, I think Micah Parsons could be picked higher if it wasn't for, like, all these quarterbacks in the draft. But it doesn't matter. He just needs to go out there and prove everybody wrong. And he'll get his bag because watch out for Micah Parsons, everybody. Rondo Moore and Micah Parsons, um, two sleeper picks. Hopefully we can repeat from last year. My last question of the day for you, Davis, is – which teams in the NFL, just like the Carolina Panthers did last year, what teams in the NFL should focus on drafting defensive prospects this year more than offensive prospects? Because a lot of teams love to just draft offense. So what teams do you think should focus more on defense this year? Well, you already know I'm going with probably with the worst franchise in NFL history. That's the Detroit Lions because, you know, I, I don't even know what to say about them. Like, they're just embarrassing. They are very embarrassing. They, they need everything right now, but defense wins championships, so why not start there? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Lions, pretty pretty easy choice there. Honestly, the Cowboys need to. I think they could pick somebody like Patrick Sertain or Gregory Rousseau if he's there from Miami. And also the New York football Giants, like their offense isn't bad. They need to improve the O-line a little bit. Daniel Jones, 
he's Daniel Jones. I'm on a level with him where I don't think he's bad enough to a point where you need to draft a quarterback to try to replace him. But he's almost at that. He's almost at that brink. Like he's not there yet, but it's not the end of the world if you do because he's not. I give him one more year to break out, and if he doesn't break out, then he probably just won't turn out. So, with the Giants picking up Kenny Galladay, uh, they have Saquon in the backfield. They need to improve that offense line a little bit. But Giants receiving, or I'm sorry, defensive backcourt is pretty nasty. And I think if they can add a guy off the edge like Gregory Orsay or add a guy in the slot like Patrick Sertain, it'll turn out very well for them. And they may even be on top of the NFC East. Uh, maybe compete with the Washington football team, but I think that they're the front runner right now, the football team, because they have the best defense in that division, hands down. So New York Giants, Dallas Cowboys, Detroit Lions, all three need to, knowing the Cowboys, they're probably going to try to pick up like a receiver or something, and the Lions, God knows what they're going to do. They literally do something stupid every single year. But um, that's it for our NFL draft episode. We may bring a little more coverage as it comes closer to the draft if there's more news, more trades, um, stuff like that, because there are still pro days going on and we still need stuff to learn. But this is all we know right now. So thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. You can follow our social medias, our Instagram and Twitter, DW Sports with two S's on the end. No, I did not post an April Fool's prank yesterday. I know a lot of like other podcasts have said that they're like quitting. I, I didn't do that. I'm not. I wouldn't do that. And then our Snapchat and TikTok is DW underscore sports. And our email is DW sports show at gmail.com. This is my last day in Florida. I will be home in Indianapolis by the time we record our next show. I'm leaving tomorrow morning. It's currently 827 on a Friday night. My flight is at like two o'clock Saturday. So I'll be home to watch the final four that we talked about on Wednesday. But Thank you guys for tuning in this episode. Um, I appreciate it. I'm going to miss Florida a lot, but I had fun talking about sports while I'm here. So thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you guys in the next episode.